This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I am your host, Davey Crockett. In this episode, I will tell the story of the Flying Yank, a charismatic and entertaining ultra runner who traveled the country conducting running performances and lectures during the 1920s and 1930s. There is a special breed of ultra runner that historian Jim Shapiro in 1980 called the solo artist. These runners usually had solid ultra running abilities, but instead of regularly competing in races, they used their abilities to accomplish stunts. This was done to garner attention from spectators and fans and to gain income and sponsorships. Solo artists would always invent and claim world records. They had creative nicknames and their marketing people would prop them up as being the world's greatest runner. Solo artists have always existed in ultra running and still exist today. In the 1920s and 1930s, as professional ultra running races were drying up, many of the ultra runners of that time used their creativity to become a solo artist. They did various stunts and accomplished numerous point-to-point journey runs to claim world records or what today we call fastest known times for runs between cities. Some of the solo artists fabricated their accomplishments to bolster their running resume. Reporters at the time just believed and published what the runner or their manager would say about them without any verification. Fabrication of accomplishments even happened today. Many of these solo artists were fascinating, charismatic characters who had impressive running abilities and accomplished many outlandish stunts. One of these amazing characters was the Flying Yank, John J. Saylor of Brooklyn, New York. He led a lasting impression on tens of thousands of fans and young high school students. As early as 16 years old, John Saylor started to do long journey walks, or he claimed to accomplish them. He came out of nowhere and started to be called a champion pedestrian. He claimed that in 1919, at the age of 16, he had walked from New York to Los Angeles 3,500 miles on the Lincoln Highway in three months, 20 days, beating Edward Payson Weston's mark by 13 days. He also claimed to do other very long walks and runs. Were all these accomplishments true at such a young age? We will never know for sure. In 1921, at the age of 18, he claimed to have walked from Brooklyn, New York to Houston, Texas, taking a roundabout route for a distance of about 2,500 miles. He indeed was found in various cities along the way covered in the newspapers, traveling at a believable rate of about 28 miles per day but he said that he covered the entire distance in only 44 days, which was an impossibility at that pace. This was the first clue that perhaps the Flying Yanks' claims were grossly exaggerated. In 1921, at the age of 18, Saylor claimed that he had walked from Brooklyn to Tampa, Florida, starting with only $10 in his pocket. He wanted to go to Tampa to put on running expeditions. In Tampa, he started going by the Flying Yank and had a vision of touring the country performing running stunts. In November 1921, Sailor put on a creative walking expedition around a half-mile track at a baseball game in Hillsboro, Florida. He didn't just walk. He had a fascinating gimmick. A reporter wrote, quote, Sailor flew. 
turning around as he went and pacing backwards just for the fun of it, changing his stride and otherwise giving the fans in the grandstand some new wrinkles in what our heels and toes are for. He claimed that he was the amateur champion of the United States in heel and toe walking, but he wasn't. He said that he could walk backwards from second base to home plate in a record 13 seconds. That week he gave the first of many of his hundreds of lifetime lectures to local high school students. Young Sailor boastfully put out a challenge to the world to compete in any heel-to-toe exhibition. It didn't matter if anyone responded to this challenge, just issuing it gave him attention. He wanted to be signed by a baseball club to have him do backwards walking exhibition during pre-games. The opportunities didn't come as often as he hoped, and he returned to New York for the summer of 1922. Sailor claimed that he attended Tulane University in New Orleans, but never said when. He said that while attending there, he won pentathlon and decathlon championships. When did he attend Tulane? It is possible that he did for a couple years during 1923 and 1924, because his name did not appear in the newspapers for those years. But by 1925, Sailor was gaining fame again. On April 26, 1925, Sailor accomplished his lifetime greatest running achievement that was witnessed by many. It occurred at one of his only true races. He raced in a field of 46 runners for 10 miles at Cermak Park in Chicago that included some accomplished runners. He won with a time of 51 minutes that he claimed for the rest of his career to be a world record. It wasn't. The world best at that time was held by Alfred Shrub of Great Britain with 50 minutes 40 seconds. But if Sailor indeed ran that fast for 10 miles, it would have been an American best at that time. After that, Sailor became very publicly brash, which was typical for the professional runner at that time. He challenged, quote, any man in the world for a race of a marathon nature. He boasted that he could lower any amateur long-distance mark. He said he lowered records every time that he had tried. The Flying Yank became successful in being hired to do various expeditions. In Illinois and Wisconsin, he entertained baseball fans at a minor league game. He raced against players on the teams around the bases. The player would run a complete circuit around the bases, while Sailor would run backwards from second base to third and then to home plate. In 1925, Sailor took his show to Buffalo, New York to put on a series of three-day stunts that began a pattern of events that he would replicate in other cities. This Buffalo event was sponsored by the local Nash automobile dealers and by the Buffalo Courier newspaper. The city was curious about this young man who had so many fascinating running accomplishments to his name. How did he do it? The 23-year-old sailor gave credit to his diet and said, quote, For the last few days, I have lived entirely on rye bread, vegetables, buttermilk, raw eggs, and plenty of water. On the first day of his activities in Buffalo, Sailor walked about 50 miles alongside a Nash automobile throughout the city, first going to the Nash Buffalo Corporation, and then to visit nearly every Nash dealership in the city. On the second day, Sailor hosted a 10-mile city hike for various clubs where he would demonstrate various styles of walking along the way. Nash cars drove with the hikers to pick up any stragglers. About 350 people came out to participate. To liven things up, 
He organized running and walking relay races and raced the winner of each event. He defeated them all. The Flying Yank won over Buffalo. The main event was on the third day. Sailor raced against a Nash automobile locked in high gear through the city's most congested traffic for 25 miles. It was called the Traffic Obstacle Race. The car had to obey all traffic regulations while Sailor could keep running. Sailor took the early lead for the first few blocks, but soon the Nash caught up as he was delayed by traffic lights. In the end, the car beat the Flying Yank by an hour. To close out his 1925 visit to Buffalo, thousands gathered at a jewelry store to witness, at the risk of his life, his climb to the top of a towering sign to wave farewell to the Buffalo admirers. At the end of 1925, the Flying Yank moved his running show to Atlanta, Georgia, and really stepped up the showmanship. First, he put on a 50-mile exhibition. Not only did he run, but he also steered a Wills St. Clair automobile from the side as someone rode in the car managing the speed. The news reported that the 23-year-old athlete trotted beside the machine, guiding it through the downtown congested areas, drinking 12 bottles of Coca-Cola, stopping only once. It was claimed that he covered 50.3 miles in 7 hours and 20 minutes. Sailor proclaimed to the newspapers that his 50-mile performance was a world record, but it actually was nearly 2 hours slower than the 50-mile world best of the time. He would often proclaim world records after his runs. This was a good strategy to bring out more spectators to his other events. The next day, Sailor spoke at the schools explaining his unique training system and diet, which reporters said, quote, has been the subject of attack from leading track coaches of the country, but which he claimed was vindicated by his incomparable achievements. Later in the week, Sailor raced head-to-head against a Will St. Clair automobile for 78.2 miles from Athens, Georgia to Atlanta. The car was not allowed to go faster than 6 miles per hour. Two miles into the race, the car went ahead. The news report included, It began to rain and never entirely quit until the contestants came in. Although the runner was drenched during most of the race, he kept doggedly at his task and several times passed the car, which was locked into high gear. Along the way, Sailor was almost hit by an unidentified motorist and injured his knee dodging out of the way. But he continued on, paced by some local college track stars, and finished in 16 hours, 3 minutes. Six minutes behind the car. During all his Atlanta races, Sailor always drank Coke. (laughs) Yes, it has always been great for running ultra-distances, but he probably also did it to gain a sponsorship. It was reported that, quote, He declared that contrary to the belief of many athletic and track coaches, he had found that Coca-Cola's ingredients are just what he needs to bolster his strength and give him the push to carry on in the final stretches of his competitions. The Coke sponsorship came, and he was the only athlete in the country that was sponsored by Coca-Cola. In 1926, the newspapers suddenly started to refer to the Flying Yank as Dr. Sailor. He claimed to have a Ph.D. as a physical culturist and started to practice natural methods in Miami. Tulane University was mentioned, but it is highly unlikely he received a doctorate degree there. Articles at first only mentioned that he had once been a student there. 
but soon he said he was a graduate from Tulane's medical school. Most revealing is, at that time, his published age took a huge leap from 23 years old to 29 years old, helping with his claim that he was a doctor. In the 1920s, bogus degree mills were very numerous, causing Senate hearings to be held. During the early 1920s, despite the numerous articles about sailors' walks and runs, he was never mentioned being in New Orleans, where Tulane is located. In 1926, Sailor moved to Maryland, where he had a physical culture school and a health farm. It appears that Sailor granted himself a degree that matched his physical culture beliefs, a fitness movement that had originated many years earlier. The newspapers gushed over Flying Ink. He was described as, quote, A tall young man with the color of perfect health. Dr. Sailor appears too slender for strength, but so firm are his muscles, so finely drawn are his sinews in every inch of his long, lean body, for all his slenderness. His strength is agile, deceptive strength of a greyhound, and from head to foot, he is a bunch of steel fibers. <laughs> Sailor moved his running show to the southern states and started a pattern of running 100 or more miles when he visited a region of the country. On January 10, 1927, Sailor started a run from Danville, Virginia to Miami, Florida, said to be a distance of 1,380 miles. He accomplished it in 17 days, 22 hours, and 22 minutes. Sailor ate bread along the way provided by a sponsor. The American Bakeries Company proclaimed, quote, Thus, through this almost superhuman feat, the Flying Yank has conclusively proven the richness, purity, and energy-building qualities of Merida bread. The Flying Yank also credited his successful run on drinking Coke. He said his run was the world's longest marathon run, and thus a world record. On September 10, 1927, Sailor started a transcontinental run from Atlantic City, New Jersey to Pasadena, California. His goal was to do it in 70 days. Along the way, he mentioned in a religious city that he did no running on Sundays. Somehow, with all his running and even skipping Sundays, he managed to lecture in many schools along the way. He claimed to average running 50 miles per day and said, It isn't so much the speed as the grind. Sailor finished his transcontinental run in 56 days. He claimed that he had run only about 9 hours per day on average and skipped Sundays. The published distance was 3,052 miles. All the numbers did not come close to adding up. But no one noticed. In 1928, C.C. Pyle organized his famed race across America, Los Angeles to New York, coined by the press as the Bunyan Derby. Many of the truly best ultra runners in the world participated. These included many who competed in legitimate races, something that Flying Yank didn't do. Some of them, like the Flying Yank, were also talented solo artists. Sailor didn't enter the race. Instead, he mocked it and announced that he would start running the same route one week after the start of Pyle's race. Sailor was sponsored by Herbert Lubin, a millionaire sportsman and motion picture magnate, 
When Sailor had belittled the pile Bunyan derbyists in the press, his friend Lubin offered to pay all expenses for a proposed catch-up run. It was rumored that a $25,000 wager was also at stake. Lubin's brother, Barney, was put in charge of Sailor's crew. Some newspaper men also traveled along to verify the run and time. Sailor started his run strong, running 44.5 miles the first day in just over 11 hours. In one day, he had run as far as the pile runners ran in two days. On the next day, at Rialto, California, after running only 14.5 more miles, the flying yank quit. He blamed his failure on poor conditioning. Barney Lubin, his crew chief, was disgusted with the effort and commented, quote, I'm not a runner, but I could do better myself. Perhaps the flying yank was starting to cause some doubt about all his claims. In February 1929, both Sailor and his manager Juliano were arrested in Quincy, Illinois, accused of stealing $4,500 worth of diamonds. When their vacated room was searched, a white gold ring had been found in the room without the setting which had been sought out. Sailor and Juliano had also matched the descriptions from witnesses who saw two men throw a brick through the jewelry store window. An arrest warrant was issued. The two firmly denied being involved in the robbery. As news was released about their arrest, some local businesses became nervous that they had been scammed by Sailor and Juliano. It was charged that the two conducted a scheme approaching companies posing as health experts and representatives of the State Department of Public Health. They sought money from these companies in exchange for promoting their products in sailors' health lectures. The two quickly returned $150 obtained from Quincy stores for advertising. The robbery evidence weakened. The eyewitnesses could not identify the two as being the suspects. Authorities shifted to work on a case that the two were involved in a confidence game, passing themselves off as members of the State Board of Health. The local newspaper cast some doubt that Sailor was actually a doctor. The only incriminating evidence found against the two during this period of prohibition was a pint of gin and another pint bottle partially filled with either cheap whiskey or hooch. All charges were eventually dropped. The two soon moved away from Illinois and went to Ohio. In the early 1930s, Sailor continued touring the country, running the 100 milers and lecturing in places like Tennessee, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, and Nevada. By 1935, Sailor added to his life history that he served in World War I in France, returning in 1918. But he would have only been 15 years old when he returned. No military records were found to prove his claims. Sailor also claimed to drink at least 10 glasses of milk daily and sometimes drank twice that much. He was sponsored by a dairy. In 1937, at the age of 34, Sailor was being referred to as the former Flying Inc. and was still lecturing at schools. In 1938, at the age of 34, he claimed to hold 57 world records and said he was 42 years old. He gained yet another two years of age. Apparently fibbing about his age helped his business, impressing people with how young and healthy he looked for a man of 42 years old. As World War II began, he retired from being a solo artist runner. 
and disappeared from the public spotlight. In 1983, John J. Saylor died at the age of 79 in Mississippi, where he was living with his son. Who really was John J. Saylor? I conclude that he was a very talented ultra-runner who conceived of a way, at a very early age, to gain fame and money through self-promotion. But most of his record accomplishments were likely fictional. I believe his transcontinental runs and many other journey walks and runs were fabricated by taking rides or altering the time they took. He did run some very fast, legitimate 100-mile runs. He was able to smartly gain sponsors by promoting local products, using his various lectures to schools and clubs in exchange for money from the local businesses. With his creative stunts and using a very savvy manager, he became very famous and successful. His bogus doctor degree gave legitimacy to his training theories and lectures. He never had problems getting signed up for lectures. He conducted a rather brilliant scheme or business to use his athletic talents for fame and gain. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. And have a happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) 